The Phoenix Theater and Arts Company's audio drama series presents The Sibling Isabella's Love is No Myth, a tale of ancient Greek myths in two parts. Written and directed by Jenna Isabella and John Isabella III. For past episodes, upcoming events, and other information, make sure to visit our website at phoenixtheaterartsco.com. That's theater with an R-E. Without further ado, we give you Love is No Myth, Part 1. As we go about our busy lives, we encounter many strange occurrences all around us, and rarely do we give them a second thought. Have you ever wondered why after you shout in a cave you hear your voice calling back to you? Or why the seasons change every year, causing plants to wither in the autumn, only to bloom again every spring? As strange as they may seem, it would be even more unnatural if these events ceased altogether. Would you believe me if I told you that each of these phenomena had a story behind them? Yeah, I've been wondering about all those things. Will you tell me? Gladly. In our world, we gods are considered the rulers of the mortal world and responsible for all the natural and supernatural phenomena. Though our jobs are most important, holding the balance of life in our grasp, many gods found plenty of time for drama in their own realms as well as in the realms of men. Zeus is the ruler of all, god of thunder, master of Mount Olympus, husband to Hera, but lover to a plethora of mortal women, father to gods and demigods aplenty. And in the mortal world, men, centaurs, nymphs, dryads, all reside in the balance of the world we gods control. We take our place among the legendary gods and goddesses. But we'll get to that later. For now, all you need to know is that I have learned that stories are only as reliable as the people who tell them. And rest assured, you can trust me, young one. Our story begins like most do, outside the mortal realm, within the realm of gods, up upon Mount Olympus. There, Hera, goddess of marriage and queen of the gods, is beginning to grow impatient. Zeus? Zeus, where are you? And as her temper reached a boiling point... Hermes? Yes, your grace. Hermes, as you may know, was the main link between the mortal and immortal realms. He is the messenger god, and therefore privy to most intel. Hera's not to be trifled with, especially when she's in a jealous rage. Where is Zeus? I believe he headed towards the nymphs of Mount Catharin. Hera gave him a look that would have killed a mortal man. And what does that mean? Oh, 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 goodness. I I don't know, but I kind of wish I hadn't said it. Now Hermes, like most men and gods, knew better than to incur the wrath of Hera. And as quick as Hermes was, he had little power to stop Hera before she made her way to Catharin. As Hera approached, she saw and heard a celebration amongst the locale of the frolicking and playful mountain nymphs. But wherever Zeus graced their presence, there was always cause for celebration. And he would say to them upon his arrival, Ladies, it is I, Zeus, king of the gods. You may now present yourselves to me. And when he spoke to them, the nymphs could not resist his charms and they would flock to him. Oh, ladies, ladies, please. 
Oh, Zeus. So handsome. So divine. Show us a thunderbolt again. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this amorous scene would be most disapproved of by the goddess of marriage and fatality. Not to mention her husband's licentiousness. Whoa. <laughs> As the group crescendoed in their frivolity, one nymph remained on the outskirts. Echo preferred the company of the trees and creatures of the valley. She could talk to them endlessly without fear of censure. Many of her fellow nymphs grew tired of incessant chatter. So I heard this story about this old inventor named Daedalus who had earned the ire of this really bad guy, King Ninos. So Daedalus and his son had to flee the country because they were afraid of being imprisoned. But his young son Icarus complained that leaving the country by foot would take too long. So Daedalus had an idea. It was a very good idea as far as ideas go, for he was really quite the clever man. So Daedalus started collecting feathers of all shapes and sizes because he had decided to make a pair of wings for himself and his son to fly away. Can you imagine? Mortals fly. Flying. It's unheard of. I honestly wonder where he found all those feathers. Maybe he caught lots of chickens and plucked out all of those feathers. Can you imagine a chicken without feathers? That would look so funny. <laughs> uh, now, where was I? Oh, right. So he sealed all the feathers together with wax, and he and his son Icarus flew out of the city, leaving King Minos far behind. Isn't that enchanting? I'm sure they're living long, happy lives, free of any heartache. While Echo enjoyed the sound of her own voice, Zeus's party was interrupted by Hermes. Hermes, my boy, care to join your old man in living life to the fullest? I don't think you're going to be living this life for much longer if you keep this up. Hera's going to be here any minute. <laughs> oh. Well, ladies, I think we better make like a dryad and leave. Oh, no. Let's go. Gotta Let's go. get out of here. Oh, no. Hera. Get the lead out and no one remained in the valley except for Echo. Suddenly, Hera appeared before her. Oh, queen of the gods, I beseech you. I was told of your arrival and how fortunate. I have heard a tale that will certainly intrigue your majesty. Hera listened intently as the young nymph began to speak. Echo regaled the queen with every tale she had heard from passerby of queens and kings who had met abysmal fates. She continued her storytelling until Apollo began to drag the sun over the horizon. Unbeknownst to her, Zeus was already spirited away back to Mount Olympus before Hera could learn the truth of his infidelity. And that's when Oedipus realized that Jocasta was his mother! Enough! Cease your infernal blabber! I was told my husband Zeus was down here, but your flapping tongue has been a distraction for far too long and he is most certainly gone. From now on, my dear, your voice will be more brief. You will always have the last word, but never the first. Echo tried to respond, but all she could say was, Never the first. You will be a warning to all nymphs. From now on, if any of your kind crosses my path again, they will surely meet their doom. And with that, Hera departed from the valley, leaving a cursed Echo lonely once more. Unlike before, Echo could no longer converse with the birds of the trees, but instead would only mimic the last words that were spoken. Echo was unjustly punished. Her one joy, up until this moment, had been hearing her own voice. But one day, she would find love again.
A stone's throw from the valley of Mount Catharin, where Echo wallowed in despair, lived Narcissus of Thessipi. Just as Echo took incomparable joy in the sound of her own voice, Narcissus, who possessed a beauty that surpassed all mortal men, took a twisted sense of pleasure in breaking the hearts of others. Many a maiden had fallen in love with this man, for his physical beauty was without equal. And yet he not only dismissed each and every one of them, but scorned them, leaving a trail of broken hearts in his way. This was a crime no mortal should ever commit lightly. One day, overwhelmed with his hordes of admirers and constant proclamations of love, Narcissus sought repose in the valley of Mount Catharin, and since the mountain had been deserted for some time, he thought he would gain some peace in this calm. He did not know that the sole remaining inhabitant of the valley was Echo. When Echo first laid eyes on Narcissus, immediately she too fell in love, but it was not because of his beauty. She realized that in this moment she would finally have a companion, someone she could talk to, or rather, someone who would talk to her and she could repeat. As Echo approached Narcissus through the woods, she stepped on a loose twig, snapping it in half. Who's here? Narcissus called out, looking for the source of the sound. Upon hearing his voice, Echo called from behind a tree and repeated. Here. Who are you? Where are you? Narcissus searched the woods for the voice who had called back to him. After searching a while, he began to think that he was hearing the wind. But before he continued on his way, he called out one last time. If there is someone there, then please stop hiding and let us meet. Echo, delighted by what she heard, stepped out from a hiding spot and ran to embrace Narcissus, crying out, Let us meet! Rather than being overjoyed to be shown affection, the hard-hearted Narcissus scoffed at Echo, pushing her away. I thought I had left this nonsense behind me when I left the city. I don't care to meet another love-struck imp. Leave me alone. I'd rather die than let you love me. Love me. Love me. Love me. Echo, upon being scorned by her last chance at happiness, retreated into a nearby cave, where she silently wept. Her heart had been broken, and her wordless tears cried out as a prayer. Consumed with her loneliness, Echo slowly faded away in the depths of that cave, until nothing remained but the final traces of her voice. So whenever you cry out in a cavern in any corner of the world, if you listen closely, you can hear Echo calling back to you. As for Narcissus, he was cursed by the goddess of love, who had heard the cries of Echo and the maidens whom Narcissus had cast aside, the curse was a just punishment for scorning so many women, but most of all the lonely Echo. The goddess would strike when Narcissus least expected it. So, when Narcissus climbed to the top of Mount Catharin and stopped to take a drink at a still pond, he beheld the most beautiful face he had ever seen. Oh my! After all this time away from the big city, I have finally found a beauty that matches my own! Narcissus's cold heart had finally begun to thaw, but as he gazed at the beauty before him, he did not know what to do. He was as dumbstruck as the many maidens who had professed their love to him only to be scorned. This time is different. This is the true love I have been waiting for. And with that, Narcissus closed his eyes as he attempted to kiss the object of his affection. But when his lips touched, they were met by the fresh spring. And when Narcissus attempted to embrace his love in the same way Echo had, he fell into the pool, soaking his clothing and causing his reflection to disappear. Emerging from the water, Narcissus looked around. He could no longer see his love as he had disturbed the still waters. Please come back! Where are you? 
I love you so much, I can't live without you. At least stay and let me look upon you. Narcissus soon realized his folly, that he had fallen in love with his own reflection. But even knowing this, he refused to leave the shallow pool. Narcissus refused to eat. He never slept, but rather kept a silent vigil in the lonely glen. Day after day, night after night, Narcissus lay awake staring at his reflection. Even as he felt his life fading away, he refused to look away from his reflection, or his beauty had not diminished despite his failing health. Right as Narcissus was about to die, he cried out in a loud voice, Farewell, my love. Farewell, my love. And with his death, Mount Kitharon once again became deserted. It did not take long for news to spread that Narcissus had climbed the slopes of the mountain. Soon after, many of his admirers, both mortal and nymph, came in search of him. They easily tracked Narcissus to his final resting spot at the top of the mountain in a small glen that overlooked a still pool. But upon arriving at that spot, they could not find the man's body anywhere. Instead, they found the most beautiful flower any of them had ever seen. Soon the entire mountain and the surrounding valleys had become vibrant meadows full of this beautiful flower. For Narcissus was a man who wasted his beauty by keeping it to himself. But now, people give the Narcissus flower to those they love as a sign of affection. For beauty should not be kept to oneself, and love should not be scorned. Now you may find it surprising, but the Narcissus flower spread to many parts of the world. It is said that if you ever find one outside Mount Catharin, you will someday find true love. However, the spread of this lovely budding flower can be attributed to Demeter, the goddess of agriculture. Thanks to Demeter, mortals are able to have many bountiful harvests and thriving forests rich with natural resources. Demeter made certain that the Narcissus flower would bloom in abundance because it was her daughter Persephone's favorite flower. Persephone, the goddess of vegetation, is the daughter of Demeter and Zeus. My dearest daughter, you are my greatest treasure. Ask me anything, and by the river Styx, I swear I will do it for you. Such is the love of a mother. But when a god or goddess swears by the river Styx, they have made an oath that cannot be broken. Oh, mother, I found this flower on the peaks of Mount Catharon, and I have never seen another like it. I wish that this flower could bloom everywhere, so gods and mortals alike can enjoy its beauty. If that is what will make you happy, then this flower will bloom upon the highest peaks and within the lowest of valleys. Persephone had always been a sweet child, whom her mother doted upon at every opportunity. Persephone had a kind heart and innocent beauty about her. As she grew older, she grew into a warmth and in radiance. Her sweet nature and charm quickly drew the attention of Hades, king of the underworld, lord of Tartarus. <sighs> it wasn't long until Hades sought an audience with his brother Zeus upon Mount Olympus. Excuse me, father, but Lord Hades is here to see you. What? Hades come out of the underworld? It's good to see you, brother. I have a matter I wish to discuss with you of the utmost importance. Hades, welcome! It's been forever since you've come up for a visit. Why don't you stay for a while and relax for a bit? I wish I could, but I have to get back to the underworld. I can't just sit around on a cloud toying with the weather patterns. I have an important job to do. And if I am not there to do it, the world will be thrown out of balance. 
I see you still have your nose to the old grindstone. Hades, you need to take a vacation. If you keep going at this rate, you'll be worse off than all the stiffs you surround yourself with. Zeus, please, don't speak ill of the dead. With their bodies expired, all they have left are the stories people tell about them. Many mortals have died heroes, and there is a modicum of respect that is due to them. They live and love and die surrounded by the people that they care about. That is what makes their lives worth it. The fact that they die makes their lives worth it? <laughs> the fact that they find meaning in their short lives makes it worthwhile. I have lived longer than you have, and I still haven't found the depths of joy, nor the deeper meaning that so many of the mortals who enter my realm have. What is this really about, Hades? I was hoping to have someone with me in the underworld. What? Chiron is too busy on boatman duty to pay you a visit? Or do you want someone to help you with sorting the souls? Like an unpaid intern. What were you thinking? A nymph? A dryad? I'm sure you could find a mortal who's already worked themselves to death. <laughs> no, I'm... frustrated. I'm lonely. And I was hoping to find an equal who wanted to spend her days by my side. What? I think I have found that special someone, and I was hoping you could give me some uh, relationship advice. Oh, that! That's simple. Just appear before whomever you desire and say, Ladies, it is I, Zeus, King of the Gods. You may present yourself to me. You're joking. I'm not. It works every time. On goddesses? On everyone. Mortals, mostly. There is this one mortal priestess who has caught my eye recently. I have no doubt she wants Kinda me- Kinda missing the point there, uh, Zeus. But you, you're Lord of the Underworld. Mortal and goddess alike would swoon at the thought of you. Yeah, but that's usually because they associate me with, you know, death. Brother, you need to have more confidence. If you found someone who you deem special enough to take as your bride, then she would be only too lucky to have you. Well, brother, uh, <clears throat> if that's the case, I, I also came here to ask for your permission. What do you need my permission for? Well, the, the goddess who has stolen my heart is your daughter, Persephone. Persephone, my daughter. Huh. Hades grew more and more concerned as he watched his brother's face twist. He could not tell which emotion Zeus was feeling. Finally, after what felt like an eternity, Zeus was finally able to find the words that he had racked his mind. Persephone. Which one is she again? <sighs> she is Demeter's daughter, young goddess of the harvest. Of course I know all that. I was just making certain that you knew a little about her. You don't need my permission, but you do have my blessing. May you both be happy. And with that, Hades returned to the underworld. Zeus told Hermes to take Persephone to the base of Mount Olympus, where his brother would be waiting for her. Several days later, whilst Persephone was gathering flowers in a meadow, she saw to her surprise a beautiful narcissus from the stem of which sprang forth a hundred blossoms. She drew near to examine the lovely flower. Persephone stooped down to smell the flower. Its sweet scent perfumed the air. The aroma was a pleasant one until Persephone could smell some faint traces of brimstone. 
Looking round her, she saw that a yawning abyss had opened at her feet, and Hades, the ruler of the underworld, appeared from its depths. <clears throat> Sweet lady, it is I, uh, Hades, lord of the underworld. Uh, you may present yourself to me. <laughs> You're joking, right? Yeah, that was pretty bad. I got some bad advice from... Eh, never mind. Uh, can I start over? My name is Hades, and I would be lying if I said I had never noticed you before. Your, your sweetness has left such an impression on me that I, I could not live another day without knowing you personally, Persephone. How do you know my name? And where did you come from? I was earnest before. I really am the Lord of the Underworld. The Underworld, huh? Do you really have a three-headed dog? Cerberus? Oh yeah, but, but don't be fooled. He's gentle as a lamb once you get to know him. Would you like to meet him? And with that, Hades whisked Persephone away to his realm. He delighted in showing her all the corners of Tartarus, and before long she began to feel for him what he had long felt for her. As the couple grew closer, Demeter became more and more grief-stricken at the sudden loss of her only child. Demeter began to search into the mortal realm. For nine long days and nights she wandered on, inquiring of everyone she met for news of her child. But all was in vain. Neither gods nor men could give her the comfort which her soul so hungered for. Eventually, feeling utterly helpless, Demeter returned to Olympus, where she was met by Hermes. What's wrong, Demeter? Oh, Hermes, this is terrible. I have looked everywhere and I cannot find Persephone. The last I heard, Zeus and Hades were talking about her. Really? Well, it seems my dear brother has some explaining to do. Demeter immediately went to Zeus, whom she caught spying on mortal women covered in ox blood. Zeus, I... Zeus! What are you doing? Just... <laughs> enjoying the view. Demeter, you look upset. I could always tell, you look positively radiant whenever you're angry. A little bird told me you might know something about the location of our daughter. Who now? Hermes. Hermes isn't our daughter. He isn't even a girl. No, Hermes is the little bird. That makes even less sense. Zeus commented, turning back to see the mostly naked mortal woman who was washing the oxbud off of herself in the Aspis River. Zeus, I need your attention. Need your attention. Did you hear something? Never mind. Zeus, this is very important. Hermes told me that you recently spoke to Hades about our daughter. Uh-huh, yeah. It may interest you to know that she is missing. Who's missing? Our daughter. Hermes is missing? No. Our daughter, Persephone. I, I can't find her. I have looked all over the mortal realm and the whole of Olympus. Oh, well, that's because she isn't on Mount Olympus or in the mortal realm. She's with Hades in the underworld. What? Why? Well, Hades said he was lonely, so he asked me if he could have Persephone as his bride, and I consented. You did what? You did what? Ah. It is often said that a mother's love for their child is the most powerful force in the whole world. 
However, there is one force that is arguably stronger, and that is a mother's rage when she has discovered something terrible has happened to her child. Demeter's pain of loss and fury at her brother was one that could be felt throughout all Olympus in the realm of men. Indignant with Zeus for having given his permission for the abduction of her daughter and filled with the bitterest sorrow, she abandoned her home in Olympus and refused all heavenly food. Demeter's mind was poisoned with hatred. She ceased performing her godly duties. With that, the mortal realm's harvest shriveled up. Food became scarce and a severe famine swept across the land. Why do I get the feeling you're wrapping things up? Well, because I am. <gasps> you can't even dare! I have so many questions. What happens to the mortals? Do they all die? Does Demeter ever see Persephone again? What about Hera? Does she continue to curse all the nymphs who cross her path? And Echo, does she- That's a story for another time, dear. Tax Audio Drama Series is a production of the Phoenix Theater and Arts Company. This week's episode, Love is No Myth, Part 1, was written, directed, and edited by Jenna Isabella and John Isabella III. This episode features the vocal talents of Kim Smith as the narrator, David Nielsen as Zeus, Nicole McQuaid as Hera, Ryan Sanuj as The Listener and Hermes, Rachel Zenhauser as Echo, Kevin Arthur as Narcissus, Ted Schwartz as Hades, Angelique Joseph as Demeter and Nymph, Jennifer Wallace as Persephone and Nymph, and Diane DeMarco as Nymph One. Original PTAC music by Brian Sanishin. For a full listing of credits, visit us at phoenixtheaterartsco.com. That's theater with an RE. While you're there, please consider clicking the donate link. That would be delightful. Have comments or questions? Email us at phoenixtheaterartsco at gmail.com. Or find us on social media. A very special thank you to our Patreon subscribers, with a shout-out to those sitting in the box seats... Ken Shelby, and on-stage seating, Margaret Thurston. We couldn't do this without you. Join us next time for Love is No Myth, Part 2. <laughs>